You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Recode Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Workers have more power today than they've had in decades, and the effects of this are showing up in all sorts of different ways. For example, last November, four and a half million Americans quit their jobs. The Great Resignation is showing no signs of abating. Meanwhile, the country has been seeing rising wages and added benefits. Workers are also going on strike and voting to form new unions. In fact, public approval of unions hasn't been this high since 1965. When you combine a labor shortage like this with the once-in-a-generation shift in workers' organizing, it's easy to see why many employees now have the upper hand on their bosses. We're now headed into the third year of a pandemic that has redefined the way we think about work, and what comes next could be a new era for the American worker. Recode's Ronnie Mall is here to explain. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Adam. So your recent piece argues that we are in an exceptional situation with labor right now. What makes it so different or special? There's two things going on. First off, you have a variety of people quitting their jobs or leaving the workforce that's left the pool of people there to work much lower than it had been. And at the same time, you have an economy that's more than recovered from the pandemic that needs people to work in a variety of jobs. And there's just not enough to fill those. So you have this imbalance that's making it so that workers have a lot more leverage than they've had in a really, really long time. And when we talk about the Great Resignation, or I think you said it was also called the Great Reshuffle, Who are we talking about here? White-collar workers or those in the service industry or everybody? We're talking about everybody. This isn't just happening for high-paid jobs or just low-paid jobs. It's happening pretty much in every industry at every level. Of course, there are groups that this is more prominent among than others. A lot of older people who were going to retire anyway, you know, in, in the next decade or so decided to retire early. So that's a big chunk of people leaving the workforce. You also have a lot of parents, especially women, stepping out of the workforce to watch children and take care of their unfair share of household duties. So those two especially are contributing to the decline, but it's really happening everywhere. And so it would seem that the ball is on the employee's court for now. How are employers reacting to this sort of shifting of power? Well, it sort of depends on the employer, but in mass, it seems that, you know, wages are going up. So that's kind of the first things that employers could do. They raise wages to attract people. They offer a bunch of bonuses, benefits and incentives, and maybe things like remote work or some other thing that's likely to get people in these seats. There's way more jobs open than there are people to fill them. So they have to be more attractive to that limited pool of people. Of course, not every employer is doing this, and those are the ones who are having harder times and, you know, having to maybe scale back their business a little bit or, you know, get by with less, and which in turn sort of makes it worse for the people who are still there, you know, more work falls onto them, and then they might have even more people leave. So is the fact that there are so many open jobs right now just because people are quitting? 
No, it's partly because there are so many more jobs being added. You know, the economy has more than recovered. People are buying things and doing things now. So it's a combination of more jobs and fewer people in the workforce. And I wonder, could this be somewhat of a statistical anomaly? Aren't people doing like gig work and other things that maybe don't show up in traditional labor reports? Yeah, so some gig work and people starting their own businesses, which has also been a really prominent thing, don't show up in at least the BLS payroll data. However, I'd say that these jobs are incredibly unstable. They don't offer things like healthcare. Your own business is likely to go under. So these aren't necessarily replacing jobs in the same way. So I think we have to be a little careful with how much we could say, you know, being self-employed or selling something on Etsy or working as an Uber driver is the equivalent of having had a payroll job before. So you said that workers are gaining power now. How does that play out in the labor movement? What's been happening with union membership rates and what do unions look like in 2022? So we only have data through 2020, at which point the rate of people in unions ticked up slightly. And that's actually not because union membership went up. That's because other people were more likely to lose their jobs if they weren't in a union. So the rate of people who are in a union went up slightly. 2021 data is coming out later this month. So we don't know yet. But a lot of the experts I talked to think that like it's either maintaining or maybe ticking up and maybe ticking up in the next few years just because there's been such a a prominence of labor actions. There's been a lot of smaller strikes that aren't necessarily recorded in the BLS data. There's just a lot of uh, high-profile companies unionizing. Yet the first corporate Starbucks unionized last month. There's been ongoing attempts to organize unions at places like Amazon. There was some high-profile stuff at Kellogg's and John Deere. It's sort of in in the public consciousness right now. We also know that Americans are more likely to approve of unions now than at any point since 1965, according to Gallup data. And generally, you know, you have unions that are popping up in places that you didn't see them as much anymore. That's happened in our industry, in the media. You also have it in places like leisure and hospitality, like the Starbucks union I was just talking about before. We haven't traditionally seen as many unions in that type of sector. So it's just leading to more possibility. We don't know what's going to happen, but the assumption is that maybe union membership's going to go up. How long do you think that workers will hold on to the power that they have right now? Is it just as long as there's a labor shortage? I mean, it is just as long as there's a labor shortage. However, the experts I talked to said, you know, that could be a year. And a lot of them said a lot longer. That's because there's these larger macro trends that are also happening. You know, people are retiring early, but they were going to retire anyway. You have this whole generation of boomers going to leave the workforce. So for the near future, it doesn't look like the shortfall is going to be resolved. We're still going to have the same problems with childcare, with the pandemic that keeps, you know, sputtering along. There's no end in sight, but I guess the the message sort of is workers could strike while the iron's hot, while employers are in need of their labor and while they kind of have a lot more bargaining power than they normally have. And I know you talked to some workers for your piece. What did they say was important to them? Just really sort of basic stuff. You know, they wanted to be paid more if they've been there for a long time than the person who just gets there. They want safety. Um, I talked to a woman who's at the first unionized corporate Starbucks, and she was saying, you know, a coworker of theirs has COVID and exposed all of them. And she was saying that they weren't allowed to stay home and get pay if they didn't have symptoms. Starbucks denies this, but um, a lot of it is worker safety, you know, how workers are treated and when people come into their store without a mask or that sort of thing. So basic pay, benefits, safety. 
And on the topic of pay, I feel like we have been seeing wages go up. We've also been seeing inflation go up. Is that a factor in all this? Yeah, I mean, that makes this particularly tough. You have wages rising at super fast rates. I think it since the beginning of the pandemic, overall for non-managers, wages went up like 11%. And typically in that like time span, it would have gone up you know half that much. However, you also have really high rates of inflation. And so when you kind of account for real wage increase, it's actually a slight decline. So depends on the way you want to look at it. Wages have gone up a lot, but it doesn't seem to mean that much. So they're going to have to go up a lot more to have a, a meaningful effect. So we're seeing a shift. We're seeing workers with more power. And this moment could last a year, it could last more, but it might not last forever. What would you say to the average worker, whether they're in the service industry or whether they're a knowledge worker? What can the average worker do to improve their situation? How can they take advantage of this moment now? You know, they could just sort of take stock of the situation. You know, will their employer pay them more to stay on if they found a job somewhere else that's paying more? A lot more jobs are paying more these days. So it could be like an individual decision to go to a place where you make more money, have better benefits, or, you know, can remotely work, whatever you want. A lot of the experts I talked to also said that while you could definitely eke out these incremental benefits to yourself in the meantime, that like the only way to get long-term change is by joining a union. You might get a raise now, but that doesn't mean you'll get a raise for the cost of living in the next 10 years without something like a union behind you. You know, I don't want to overstate worker power. I think it has been exaggerated to quite an extent. What I do mean is that you do have the opportunity to incrementally raise your salary, to ask to work remotely a few days a week, or, you know, to hold out for better benefits just because you could pit one job against another job right now because the demand is so high. That said, yeah, that doesn't mean you could ask for a ridiculous amount of money. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. And your employer could just, you know, fire you. Okay. On that note, Ronnie, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was produced by Victoria Dominguez and engineered by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.